Hi, this is Bailey Christensen, and welcome to the second episode of Freud vs. American Literature. This month's piece is Bartleby, the Scrivener of Wall Street. In this episode, we'll take a look at what motivates the lawyer or narrator of the Bartleby, and why his personality makes the story so interesting. We'll start off with a summary of Bartleby. Bartleby is narrated by an unnamed lawyer who introduces himself as a very unambitious man who is content in his position in life. He speaks about his office on Wall Street and his two employees, Turkey and Nippers, who tend to switch off their eccentricities depending on the time of day. The lawyer decides to take on another employee and hires a very quiet, seemingly hardworking young man named Bartleby. He keeps Bartleby close by in his office and has no trouble with him the first couple days, in which Bartleby copies documents rather studiously. However, the lawyer runs into an issue when Bartleby declines to follow one of his orders, saying he prefers not to do the work and returns to copying. As time progresses, Bartleby continually refuses to do more work until he is doing nothing but standing at the window and staring out of it. The lawyer strongly debates on whether or not he should be firing Bartleby, but decides that in the name of charity and goodness, he will try to keep him on. Bartleby becomes sort of a permanent fixture in the office, even living there, but the lawyer doesn't decide to kick Bartleby out until his colleagues tell him that Bartleby's presence is not being received well. When the lawyer's attempts to kick Bartleby out fail, he moves buildings, leaving Bartleby there for the next owner to deal with. The new owner, however, is displeased with Bartleby's presence and calls the lawyer to talk to him. When this still doesn't work, Bartleby's taken away by the police to the jail, which the lawyer refers to as the tombs. The lawyer makes sure that Bartleby is as best taken care of as possible, but in the end, the lawyer visits Bartleby to find out that he has passed away. There's a short afterword in which the lawyer addresses a rumor that Bartleby may have worked previously in the dead letter office, where letters were unable to be sent, were burned, and gotten rid of. Bartleby also had some important historical context. Melville's story came at a time when transcendentalism was a strong influence. Transcendentalism was a movement much like Romanticism, that focused on transcending beyond oneself and the physical world. The movement focused strongly on someone's relationship with nature and on individuality. Herman Melville's Bartleby, however, is an anti-transcendentalist piece. Bartleby himself is an example of Henry David Thoreau's extreme isolation from society in Where I Lived and What I Lived For. Additionally, like Ralph Waldo Emerson says in Self-Reliance, The great man is he who in the midst of the crowd keeps with perfect sweetness the independence of solitude. Bartleby, with all his silence and inclusiveness, is someone who is independent within the crowd of Wall Street. However, Bartleby is too reclusive. He has no fulfillment on life. He is described as an apparition and cadaverous because he has separated himself so much from the quality of life that he may as well be dead. The lawyer is at the opposite end of the spectrum than Bartleby. While he may be isolated in the sense that he has no family or close friends, he relies too much on the opinion of others and seeks validation for his actions. 
With this story, Melville may have been trying to contrast the transcendentalists, writing that while reliance on others may be detrimental, complete isolation from society is not the answer. Before we start, there are a few terms you need to know for the psychoanalysis portion of the podcast. Some terms introduced in the previous episode will be used, but not specified here. The first is thanatos. This is the death instinct, which includes all negative feelings such as anger or hate. The second is denial, one of the defenses of the ego. Denial is very similar to repression. It's a refusal to accept a negative aspect of yourself. The third is moral anxiety. Anxiety that is derived from the fear that you may do something that violates the superego or your sense of morality. The last is the pleasure principle, which states people will inherently seek pleasure and do their best to avoid pain. And now for the psychoanalysis portion of our podcast. Here we'll examine three excerpts pertaining to the lawyer or narrator of Bartleby. Excerpt number one. I was now in such a state of nervous resentment that I thought it but prudent to check myself at present from further demonstrations. Bartleby and I were alone. I remembered the tragedy of the unfortunate Adams and the still more unfortunate Colt in the solitary office of the latter, and how poor Colt, being dreadfully incensed by Adams and imprudently permitting himself to get wildly excited, was at unawares hurried into his fatal act, an act which certainly no man could possibly deplore more than the actor himself. In this excerpt, the author details his fear that he may become so angry at Bartleby that he may do something he would later regret, hurt him, or even kill him. The negative feelings themselves are a part of the lore's thanatos, His initial instinct is anger and aggression towards Bartleby, but his moral anxiety kicks in. This is what keeps the author's anger in check throughout the piece, the fear that he may do something which violates his morality and that he may also receive retribution. Excerpt number two. I am one of those unambitious lawyers who never addresses a jury or in any way draws down public applause, but in the cool tranquility of a snug retreat, do a snug business among rich men's bonds and mortgages and title deeds. All who know me consider me an eminently safe man. Comparing this excerpt to the first, there's an obvious contrast in the lawyer's personality. He says he is a calm, bland, safe man, but later is so angry he fears he may commit murder. This may be one or two of the defenses of the ego at work. The lawyer seems to deny the fact that he may be anything but the image he presents to others. The Thanatos is strong in the lawyer, and he denies and represses this trait in himself because, as most people do, he wants to believe that he's a good person. Excerpt number three. I believe that this wise and blessed frame of mind would have continued with me had it not been for the unsolicited and uncharitable remarks obtruded upon me by my professional friends who visited the rooms. From the middle Bartleby refuses to work, the lawyer wavers back and forth between keeping Bartleby in the office out of generosity and kicking him out. In the end, the lawyer chooses to ultimately rid himself of Bartleby because of some negative remarks about Bartleby's presence from his lawyer friends. 
The lawyer's heavy reliance on the opinion of others is most likely caused by the pleasure principle. He seeks pleasure or acceptance and validation from others and works to avoid pain or judgment. This may also be the reason that the lawyer denies and represses Thanatos so strongly. He fears that it may bring him pain. To finish off the podcast, I have a Gen Z version of Bartleby. This week's summary is courtesy of Matthew Watts and is being read by guest star and 2018-2019 All-Stater Rico Suave. I basically, to sum it up, Bartleby was this weird dude who worked for this lawyer and he had to copy papers all day. So eventually, like every public school student, he realized he was doing the same dang thing every day. So he just stopped trying and stopped doing anything at work. And the lawyer was like, yo, dog, what? but didn't do nothing about it at first. And then he was like, you're fired, homie. But he didn't leave, so then he said, you're fired again, homie, and I'm moving, so you can't follow me, homie. And then this dude didn't end up leaving because turns out he was living there, so all the people were freaking out, like, who's this strange, sweaty man, and why is he following us? And eventually, he gets locked up, and he's all sad and depressed, so he, like, starved himself and dies. (coughs) Or did he? Thanks for watching. This has been Freud vs. American Literature with Bailey. Stay tuned for the next episode coming in January or February. See ya!